Hey everyone, welcome to That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Eric Lagerstrom. I'm Paula Finley. I'm Nick Goldston. Uh, this is our podcast where we talk about triathlon, we talk about some life, we talk about our lives, and we, and we answer questions pre- predominantly. Um, we're all a little bit tired tonight. Nick's been working hard all day. Paul and I traveled from Bend to Santa Monica yesterday and did some training today. So um, all that is to say, we're in one room all together recording this instead of doing it over FaceTime, which always is a, that's our favorite ones. Yeah, we're all together and uh, we missed the pod on Thursday. So we're recording it a little bit late just so we could do it all together and putting this out on a Saturday. So thanks to everyone for waiting a couple days. Uh, We also had another exciting thing happen today. We released our... The TTL development team. What's that? Wait, I, why is this the first time hearing about this? <laughs> this isn't the first time we've, we've talked about it, right? No, it's, okay. it's not. It's not. We've talked about it in a lot of places. And I guess real quick shout out to our friend Sam, who is helping us organize the whole thing. So I've lost a little bit of track of like all the different places that we've mentioned it because she's helping us coordinate some Instagram posts and like basically get all the ideas that we have in our heads actually, you know, take action on them. And that that has been amazing. So... Anyway, what the TTL development team is, if you're just, this is the first podcast you've ever heard from us, is uh, we are supporting seven now. Uh, It's up from five, and we'll get into that in a minute, but seven young athletes who are in their first year as professional triathletes or just approaching their first year as professional triathletes, and we're trying to give them some support, a little bit of financial support, but most importantly, mentorship and just kind of like the backing of this awesome community that we've built over the years. And are these all American athletes? Like, do they, are they all the same kind of similar age? Basically, we put out a call for applications, and we were trying to get people, like, in their late teens, early 20s, some mid-20s. That was kind of the age range we were looking for, but more importantly, just in their first year of professional racing or their last year of age group racing. So kind of ready to make that jump or that transition or coming from a different sport altogether. So people that just kind of want to learn and get kick-started into their pro career. So that was kind of the criteria, I guess. We were a little loose with criteria. We didn't really have any strict, like, you got to be from this country, you got to be from this age. We kind of accepted everyone and got, I think, 280 applications in total. So so many people. A I, lot of people. Mind-blowing. I, I thought we were going to get, like, 50. Like, right. how many people who are wanting to, about to turn pro or just turn pro could there possibly be, right? But we had, you know, people from... Like, man, yeah, all over the world and different age ranges and different sport, you know, different parts of triathlon as well. We kind of, in our minds, were just a sort of imagining like American 70.3 athletes as we were thinking about this. Um, but we got European ITU athletes and Australians and a little bit of, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Which is just kind of is, is a bit indicative of, of the global nature of TTL in general, which is, is super cool. Um, Coming up on later podcasts, it's really our hope that we can get everybody to come on for like maybe just this this quick 10-minute intro at least and say, you know, this is so-and-so and and here's where they're from and here's what their goals are and and do a little bit of backstory. And, and, you know, to the comfort of of each athlete, I think, you know, our goal is to kind of like help them identify maybe like, is pictures your thing? Is a podcast your thing? Is video your thing? Or do you not have a thing or like right, right. what is, who are you and like, what's the best foot forward that you can put in this kind of, in this new age of where you need to be a really good athlete and you need to build that, but you also kind of need to build a little bit of a brand and, and show value to sponsors. So we're helping to help just help them navigate that in the best way possible. Yeah. This is so cool. It's the, it's the first year of it, but I can't wait to see what, what this means. And we've mentioned this before, but I feel like actually seeing them on the race course will be, that's going to be next level, at least for me. Yeah. I can't oh, wait for that. In the kit. It's- yeah. We also just want to give a huge thanks to Castelli, who's helping us support the development team by supplying their kits and their training cycling kits and their run tops and stuff like that. So they're going to have like the top of the line, fastest stuff and uh, designed by Eric. So very cool kits. And yeah, I think that we narrowed it down to 10 and we had phone calls with 10 people with the intention of having five finalists. Um, And the, the top 10 were just amazing. Like talking to them on the phone really made you feel like you knew them and you wanted to help them so badly. So at that point, it became even harder to narrow it down. It was terrible. Yeah. I remember you guys call me after the first day of the first five people. You're like, well, 
we got our five. That's the, that's them. And then you call me the second day. You're like, okay, actually, we have to do all ten. We <laughs> yeah. have to do all of we them. We have a major problem. <laughs> yeah. So because every time we hang, hung up the phone with uh, the people we were talking to, we thought, okay, they're amazing. They're definitely in. But we only had so much time, and we wanted to make it so that we could give each person that we choose some of our time. Um, so we did actually stretch this to seven from five, which was difficult, but also not that difficult because it was, you know, choosing seven was easy. There were clearly seven that were amazing. And then the three that we left out this year, we really encouraged them to apply next year because we really like them as people and really wish we could help everybody. So yeah, it was a tough process, but I think that the people we did end up selecting are quite personable. They have good results. They have good promise. They're, they come from a whole bunch of different backgrounds and have different strengths, I think, in terms of where they're at in their careers, what they're good at social media wise. And we weren't necessarily picking people because they were strong at social media. Some of them have no interest in it at all and have really promising triathlon promise, you know, so it's, it's a good mix, I think. And uh, obviously none of them are going to be in a TTL kit at Oceanside, but are any of them racing Oceanside? Yep. Yeah, uh, at least one, Andy Kruger, who is from from Bend. We know he's going to be there. Do we yeah. have anybody else? Uh, that's all. Yeah, so that'll be yeah. cool, like right away yep. on the team and <clears throat> go out there and race. Yeah, yeah. And this cool. is like, I feel like this could be a good race for him. That'll be interesting to see. It could be. I mean, we, we we picked Andy because he is, well, we train with him in the pool occasionally, and he was actually a, a big inspiration for this. We've wanted to do this for a long time, but then Andy was looking for a kit and sent us over a mock-up of a kit he designed himself. I was like, what do you think of this? And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I like, Just give me 10 minutes. I think I can design something a little bit better. And then as I was, I was doing it, I was like, how much... I don't, how much to put a TTL logo on yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Like, while I'm doing this, yeah. he's like, I don't know, like, buy me lunch? Yeah. And I was like, no, no, have some respect. Yeah. We'll pay you $1,000, yeah. put our logo on your kit. And then that just, like, spawned this entire thing, basically, in this brainstorm, and, and we're just... Uh, yeah, so shout out to Andy for really uh, initiating this whole thing. Yeah, Andy's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'll take it. He didn't even, <laughs> he didn't even know. No, yeah. he knows. We talked to him about it before anyway. Yeah, we, bounce, we bounced the whole concept off of him and one other guy that mm-hmm. we train with um, who actually wasn't able to be on the team because he's with Everyman Jack, but we asked the two of them, kind of like, what would you want out of a team, and do you think this would be cool, and et cetera, et cetera. So we felt like we... I mean, we weren't just completely out, you know out to pasture or like we weren't completely out of our minds with right. the idea so. well, okay. speaking of Oceanside that's what I was going to say <laughs> the reason Eric and I are in California partly is to race Oceanside oh, it's next not just weekend. to see me it's partly to see Nick it's partly to get out of the snow and it's partly to race Oceanside in eight days seven days from when you guys are hearing this podcast yeah so uh, yeah well how did you, how did you guys do last year how did you feel about your races last year <laughs> and how are you feeling like this year compares to that uh, it was my worst race. It's 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 my worst race every year. Great. I don't know awesome. why I keep coming Can't back. Wait. Like I was sixth <laughs> last year, I think, and then I ended up having a great season after that. But it's like a rust buster. Everyone feels kind of similar, but some people have just been on fire all winter, and everyone's coming in at kind of a different level of fitness. So it's so hard to predict how it's going to shake out. And I mean, who cares really? I mean, in the back of my mind, I don't want to win Oceanside because I'm like, that's too early. It's too early to be peaking in any sort of way. Yeah, rarely does the person who win Oceanside go on to like have a awesome race around World Championship time when it really matters. Mm And you know, it's not like a kiss of death or anything, but I don't know. It's a long season, so we always like show up because it's it's kind of a big thing. It's outside of Kona and maybe seventy point three World Championships. It's this huge event it's super fun a lot of the industry people are there a lot of you know like teams have shown up and it's just it's just such a scene and really fun so you feel like uh maybe i'm not super in shape but it's it's just a fun mm-hmm. thing to go to and then in the middle of the race you're like I, why <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah more often than not we've been like why yeah. but <laughs> it's, not, it's not that we're not in shape i mean we've been training pretty hard but i think a lot of it is just the first race of the season and ironing out all the things that come along with racing, like prepping all your gear and getting your new race kits and trying out your new wetsuit and like all these little things that become second nature when you've raced a lot in the year. Mm-hmm. But first race of the year, like trying to figure out new front ends on our bikes. And it's, it just feels like, wait a second, we were on a ski trip in the backcountry like last week, weren't we? And now we're <laughs> yeah. racing Oceanside. Right, right. So it just comes around really quick. So it it really is a good opportunity to just test everything out 
do a trial run of things. Unfortunately, it's under a lot of eyes. Like, a lot of people yeah, are watching it, right, so it's yeah, hard to make right. it feel like a test run. But you really have to mentally treat it that way. Otherwise, it can get a little overwhelming. It feels like it's going to be a big—it's a big—like <clears throat> Eric, you were saying, it's a big media thing, too. Like, triathlon, yeah. brand stuff, a lot of people—I'm I, 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 sure— well, you guys don't get these messages because it's obvious, but people ask me a lot: Are you going to be at Oceanside? Are you going to be at Oceanside? Are you going to be at Oceanside? Yeah, it's like opening day. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, perfect. It's this big example. fun thing, and uh, you nailed it. Like for for whatever reason, just because the, all the fields are always huge, despite the prize money not being insane, it's just like all the media outlets show up and you want to do a podcast with Bob and we're doing a podcast, you know, like yeah, live. Yeah, let's just talk and- about that real quick. We're going to do a live recording of our podcast in Oceanside, which is also an opportunity to buy our hats that we're bringing. Uh, Chelsea Sodaro is going to be a guest on the podcast for this live recording. It's in communal coffee starting at 3.30 p.m. next Thursday. Uh, there's a sign-up link on our Instagram bio and it's really cool. We're going to set up and kind of have a casual chat like we do on the podcast every week, but it'll be recorded live. So it's the first time we've ever done that. Um, there'll also be an on demo run so you can try out their new Cloud Surfer shoes, which just released today. This is actually, I mean, <clears throat> on did a, did us a huge favor in setting up all the logistics for a lot of this. We couldn't be doing it without them. So Yeah, yeah, it's, it um, is really fun. And for yeah. those people who don't know, Chelsea Sodaro just most recently is world champion, Ironman world know. champion. <laughs> uh, not everyone, not everyone. This yeah. I feel like there's people here who don't follow the pro field that Maybe much. Not. That Maybe is not. true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she, that's that's exciting. And just to be clear, since we're recording it on Thursday, it will also not be out at midnight on, you know, Wednesday night, mm. like like the podcast usually is. So for yep. people who aren't, whatever, who, who rely on it Thursday morning, it's been another week where you have to wait a little bit, but this one will really be worth it. It should be really fun. Yeah. 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 Should we or, get to the questions? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Um, first question here. Hi, everyone. OG podcast listener and big TTL fan. I love your idea about the development team and can't wait to see how it develops. I'm wondering if you could give some insight in how you chose the athletes you chose. I'd be interested to hear who made the decision, which factors you took into consideration, what made the chosen athlete stand out the most, et cetera. Thank you, and all the best in the new season. Clement. Cool. Uh, Well, we touched on this a little bit already, but we'll explain a little bit the process. Um, Our friend Sam set up a Google Doc submission form, so everything was like organized very neatly in an Excel spreadsheet that we could look at. Um, the first thing I kind of went to was obviously the name um, to see if I recognized them. And then I would look at their results or their like best races so far. Um, and then I'd look at their age bracket because a lot of, we had a lot of 30 plus people that, not that that's old, we're 30 plus, but it was a little outside of like our target range. Um, and it's not like that was out of the question if they were over 30. It was just kind of like a balancing thing. Well, yeah, if you, were, if you were over 30, but you had some... Like you won your first seventy point three, you know, Age overall that you went to, then like, okay, you know, we're, we're yeah. just basically we just were trying to find people who we felt like were on this upwards trajectory, had a little bit of traction, but that we could ultimately help bump across the line into yeah. making a living as a professional triathlete. Yeah. And and unfortunately, that did disqualify some people who we felt like maybe you need another year before we feel like we can really. Make, it a, make a meaningful difference. And I mean, it was so hard. Like Paula said earlier, we had almost 300 applications and trying to pick seven out of yeah. that is insane. But then I would go and read their submission letters, like why they thought they should be picked. And that pack, that was what was super heartfelt. Like people put a lot of time into those. Yeah. Um, and that was all before we looked at what they, what they looked like. We didn't see a picture. Like I would read all of this before I had any clue where they were from even. Um read the submission and then I'd click on their Instagram bio if they left that. Um, That wasn't like super critical, but it just gives you a sense of who they are, their personality, if they have any social media presence at all. Um, Yeah. yeah. If you've posted in the last year, if if you've ever posted. (laughs) So if someone is, if someone is hearing this and is maybe getting excited about this, or maybe they even applied and, and didn't get in, what kind of things would you recommend they focus on to be the best possible applicant? Is it just results? Like, what what should they focus on? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is is you definitely need to have the ability. Like, you you can't make it in the professional field finishing an hour back. You won't even qualify to get in. So you need to have the ability. But in the meantime, as you're doing that, just 
think of you can think of social media almost as like a journal and just like kind of catalog what you're going through, what's what's happening. It doesn't even need to be a fantastic picture. There are plenty of people I follow on Instagram that just have beautiful captions. And just and just like kind of try to explore that. And and if you really like writing, maybe start a little blog and just catalog the journey and and get the feel for that. Because that's ultimately, I think, what is it, it sets apart the best professional athletes in any sport right now is they have a story, they have something that makes them even a one percent unique, and they're not you know they're happy to share it. So, yeah, that's what I see even with like established pros sometimes when I'm just thinking about well, what makes this person exciting or not. And part of it is the results, but part of it is like, are you just blending in with everyone else? Or is there something that makes you exciting to watch? Mm-hmm. Some story element? Or, Relatability. Yeah, something. And and everybody has is relatable for some different reason. You know, somebody might, I might relate to somebody that you don't relate to. So it's not like you have to be this carbon copy and be exactly like Jan Ferdino or whatever, you know, to, to be marketable. Just like maybe have a, you know, have a thing. And so that's that's what we did when we went through the 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 different athletes when we ultimately got them on the phone and we were trying to whittle down from 10 to to 5 we were initially thinking we could do 5 but we did 7. Um we were like how well do they talk are are they friendly can we can we envision them talking to our our community people who bought TTL Nation kits to support them can we envision them talking to them at a race and like you know being compassionate in the same way that that we enjoy talking to people at a race. Well, and all 10 of the final people did check that box. Check that box. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, a little bit of it came down to location. Like, we want to ultimately maybe be able to meet these athletes in person at a race or two Do this a year. a camp or something. Yeah, yeah, so it was tough to have a few in Australia that would that probably not travel over here. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It's not their fault that they're so far away. But I think in the year one of this program for developing it and building it and having potentially a little bit of one-on-one contact with them, it was um, a little more appealing, I guess, to pick people who we might cross paths with. Yeah, yeah, cool. We're all very excited. I speak as a... as the leader of TTL Nation here, yeah. um, we're all very excited we're, for it. And, and just to be clear, we're we're trying to get, relay what we did, and it's not perfect. Like we did, we did the absolute best that we could, and we'll maybe we'll do a little bit better next year. But it's like what, yeah, it was it was such a process, and we did the best we could with it, and, and we're really excited about the team. Yeah, great. Next question here, and it starts out very strong by saying, gross question alert, so I'm excited already. Um, Every time swimming, my nose immediately begins to feel like Niagara Falls. Is this normal? I normally wear a nose clip, which is fine both training and in races, but after the swim, as soon as I take it off, the floodgates open. I have no sinus or health issues and feel absolutely fine. Do people have similar experiences? Is it just part of the process, or is there an etiquette around snots in pools or even open water? Thanks, Gary from Dublin, Ireland. Is wow. it salt water? It's both. Oh, okay. That's kind of, man, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, this is also kind of gross, but if you don't swim for a couple days or three days or four days. It, like, builds up. Yeah, kind of? you kind of get a crusty nose. It's yucky. Interesting. So maybe swimming kind of does help. Clear your nasal passage. It's so gross to think about because we're all swimming through everyone's snot. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one, big pool of snot. But I, I mean, that's what chlorine and chemicals are for, and it's just part of doing swimming. I've, I've only ever noticed that when I'm like two days after being sick and I've still got some congestion mm. or something. Sometimes going to a pool, yeah, it sounds terrible. Clears you out. It feels at right. least it feels like it, but normally, no. I have you guys ever had this where? I'll have swam in the pool or whatever, and then I come back and I like lean over or something. I like bend down to get something, and a bunch of fluid comes out of my nose. Have you oh, ever weird. had that? Like, like like water? Like water? Yeah, not it's not just like straight pool water. Like it somehow is like sitting in my sinuses and just like bending over and pointing my head down. It like yeah. comes right out. That's that interesting. Never Whoa. happened to you. I wonder if this person, because they're wearing a nose clip, that creates oh. the runny nose after instead of just while you're swimming. I mean, I breathe out of my nose when I flip turn. I right. breathe out of my nose uh, partly when I'm exhaling as well right. before I take an inhale. So I think, I don't know, that inherently clears it out a little clears bit. Clears it out yeah. a little bit, even though that's gross. I, so I, what I wonder is, I wonder if Gary is wearing the nose clip for this not issue or to prevent water from going up his nose. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Because if it's to if it's for the snot issue, I would say just. Gary, I'm sorry. Just join the rest of us and let your snot free into the pool. Don't fight it. <laughs> and then if you're using it for not no water up your nose, just 
use the tactic of breathing out your nose to prevent water from going in. Yeah, yeah. this is why young children do bobs right. in, like, first round of Te- learning teach to Teach you how to do that. Teach you how to blow out of your nose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's something that's, like, I remember, like, even jumping into water. I, it's, I remember seeing people, like, tap their nose. Yeah. And I'm like, just blow it out through your nose. It's, yeah. it's, it's fine. Unless you're it's doing so cliff diving. It's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird, though. It is. It is. Yeah. But, yeah. So Bob's for. Yeah. All right, Gary. Um, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Next question is from Justin. Hey, TTL. Listener from Ireland here. That's two in a row. Big fan. Just finished my first 70.3 in Lanzarote. Super windy course and 110 meters, sorry, 1,100 meters of climbing. I had a huge difficulty maintaining aero, especially during the windy segments. Felt my front wheel constantly twitching. Rode a 62 millimeter front wheel. I'm usually a very confident rider in the wind on my road bike. Any recommendations? Shallower front wheel, more upright, or just practice? Cheers, y'all. Justin. Oh, I can relate. It's, it's scary this to is ride a question, a t- Paul, Paul, this is a question for you. Yeah, it's really scary to ride a TC bike in the wind. Uh, a lot of people's natural instinct when it's super windy is to sit up, and I think that actually ultimately makes it more unstable. So if you can handle it, staying arrow is more stable. But I know that's scary. So what I usually do is ride a 454 front. It's a little bit narrower than your front wheel. Uh, a couple of races I tried the 858 zips, and they were just... Similar experience to you. I feel like they were catching the wind a little bit, twitching me around, and I didn't personally feel great about it. Um, Eric loves the 858s. I know most athletes do, but for someone who's a little more nervous like me or you racing Lanzarote with lots of wind, maybe a narrower front might be a better choice. Um, it's definitely slower than the 858, but it's um, I feel more confident on it, and then I race yeah, faster. There's nothing slower than sitting up. Right? Exactly, yeah, so. exactly. What about, would you ever stay on the base bar but try to stay low? I feel like that takes up oh, so much energy, I've done that before. Energy, I mean, right? desperate times, I've oh, done that before. That when it's just terrible. so scary and so windy that you, yeah. That's how that. I descend. Is that, is that, I mean, Eric, you would like to descend pretty fast in arrow, full arrow. Yeah, but, but I mean, I've, I've still come into the point in my life <laughs> that I don't, if I feel really at risk, I'll still get onto the base bar. Yeah, but stay low. Yeah, but this is like, like 45 miles an hour actually like tucked you probably are spinning out anyway in Oceanside isn't there a portion that you go that fast like after that first climb mm, yeah maybe for for a second okay yeah, if, yeah after that really big climb if you get up to speed you can really you go. can spin out and like air, super tuck a little bit yeah so is it is the advice to just I mean, ride more, ride the TT bike more, because I can feel in the yeah. beginning of the season, each season, I, that when I haven't been riding the TT bike for a while, I do. There is still like a acclimation period of getting comfortable with the fear of being an arrow while going really fast. Yeah, he said he's really confident on the wind in his road bike, and so am I. Right. Road bikes are so much more stable and less scary, and your brakes are right there. And as soon as I switch the TT bike, it's it's worse. Yeah. So. I think more practice on the TT bike on a windy day, even though your gut instinct wants you to ride the road bike, and then maybe a narrower front wheel. But, I mean, 60 is not crazy, so. You can also make your elbow pads wider. Mm. Mm. That'll give you a little bit wider base. Yeah. Also, at a slight expense of aero, potentially. If you know it's going to be super cross-windy or whatever, the forecast looks super windy, or just you find yourself in this position regularly, go two centimeters wider. On yeah. the elbow pads and middle hop, and see how that feels, and maybe ultimately over time you bring it back to back in, right? If you get comfortable. Yeah. Uh, next question here is from Jen. Hi all, congrats on the launch of the development team. I'm psyched to see where it goes, and love all the ways you're giving back to the sport. Question mostly for Paula here, as the nuance of her advice is important to me as a fellow woman. But Eric and Nick, I'm sure you've dealt with this too. Saddle sores. How do you prevent them, and what do you do when you get one that just won't quite heal? Do you use chamois cream every time you get on the bike? Help! Thank you, Jen. Yeah, this is like an on and off issue for me. Usually it's not a problem, but then every once in a while they they come up. Um, usually when it's like wet or sweaty or hot and I'm on the trainer, um, without a lot of extra additional movement out of the saddle on the trainer, you're much more stationary, obviously. Um, yes, I do use chamois cream. Every ride? Not every ride, but... When I remember. And I got this Asos branded recovery cream. I think it's like skin repair cream. Skin repair cream. That's it. 
So I put that on after if I feel like I'm getting a saddle sore and it usually helps. But really the only solution to me getting rid of a saddle sore is like two days off the bike. Right. Which sucks. But if it's so painful that you can't even effectively do your workout or ride properly, it's not really worth it. So time off the bike. They heal quickly if you look after them, I think. And just so I think we have all levels of people that listen to the podcast. So what are some good rules of thumb? To avoid them in general, like should you can you wear bibs more than two rides in a row? Oh. How quickly Never. should you get out of your bibs after you're done riding? That wash, kind of stuff. Yeah, wash your bibs after every ride. Get out of them immediately after you're done riding. Make sure they fit you properly and they're not too big. Right, they need to be moving yeah. around. They sorry, they need to be like glued to your crotch, basically. Yeah. yeah, movement is the enemy with chafing. Yeah, and it's remember it's like this is an issue with bacteria. So as soon as you're done with the ride, take it off and shower. That's yep. that's the ideal situation there. Yeah, and another thing that's in most chamois creams is some sort of antibacterial, whether it's like menthol or I don't know what he's exactly put in there. But I don't know if it's menthol. It's, <laughs> it feels like it. Like, <laughs> some of them tingle a little bit, yeah. but um, whatever it is, like they they put something in there that is a little bit antibacterial. So sometimes you can do that as well. Like even if you didn't use it on the ride and you're starting to feel a saddle that's, sore, like yeah. Put some on and go to sleep. Think of it as lotion. I just use it like I'm putting it on the first thing I wake up if I have a saddle sore. Yeah. But I'm not going to – I haven't had a saddle sore in I feel like over a year. But I don't ride as much as you guys do. That's great. Um, and and how much do you think of it as like a properly sitting f- – properly fitting saddle? Or oh, is that's that, a factor too. Yeah. 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 Totally could be. Mm. It's not something I really think about. I think of more like saddle discomfort with saddle sores. Mm-hmm. But like – Yeah, if you're getting pressure and like – one particular spot and it's less dispersed yeah, yeah. over a certain area, yeah. then, yeah, that one spot could yeah. potentially get it. So. It's not fine. I remember when I first started, I got them all the time, and I, it was miserable. Just, like, trying to sit, like, one butt cheek fully off the saddle for, like, an hour and a yeah. half ride is, right. like, not fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Thanks for that question, Jen. Uh, next question is from Stephanie. Hi, everyone. I know you've mentioned tires before, so forgive me if this is repetitive. I have just bought new Zip tubeless wheels. 808s for the rear and 404s for the front. I will be racing Ironman 70.3 and full distance this year in Tremblant. As you know, it's a mixture of hills and rolling flats. Can you recommend a good tire which will be robust enough to train on and fast enough for the race? Also, what width would you recommend for front and rear? Thanks so much. Hope to see you in Tremblant, Stephanie. And maybe if you also want to throw in like a PSI, because I feel like some people still think they need to be putting 100 PSI into their tires. Yeah, did, did I miss whether or not these are tubeless? Uh, no, did not mention it. So um, I would run tubeless for sure. Uh, and being at 808 in the four, 404 instead of the 858 in the 454, I'm guessing that these are not quite as wide mm. as the new 858 and 454. So you're probably going to want to run a 25 versus if you had the wider rims of the 858, you could get away with the 28. Now, what's the idea there? Why are you saying that? The the width, um, basically Zip did a whole bunch of testing and found out that the tiny little bit of arrow penalty that there is for having a slightly wider tire is outweighed and canceled out completely by the inc- the better rolling resistance of the wider tire on the wider rim. So we've seen this in mountain biking for a long time, and it's just made its way over the road now. So if you can... I would run those tubeless, and I'm guessing that on the 808 and the 404, you're going to want to run a 25. Uh, the, I think the, 85, the 28 might just be a little bit too bulbous mm-hmm, and yeah. isn't going to get the same benefit. Uh, and probably run like, I don't know, like 75. You didn't say PSI. Oh, yeah. I mean, my recommendation is the Swalby Pro 1. That's what we're running on our training tire as our training tire right now, but it's also a really solid race tire. It's only about it's only a few watts slower, like than the Pro One TT, which is their just like all out pure race tire. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know that that feels really good, and I think you could race and train on it, no problem. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like the you you gave me a set of the Pro One TTs, mm-hmm. and they they look very. They look like I should be in the Tour de France at, a, I mean, at, at a TT stage. The, the gum walls <laughs> yeah. are always are always going to look good. Yeah. If, if you can't get a hold of those, uh, I also could definitely recommend the Grand Prix 5000 tubeless. That's the Continentals. Yeah, Continental Grand Prix 5000 tubeless. Those are just like battle proven over years and years. Yeah, and, I had those too. Yeah. Um, awesome. Great question uh, and great answer, Eric. Uh, next question here is from Daniel. 
Hey, Flynn, Nick, Paula, Eric, and everyone in the TTL Nash spelled hyphen S-H, get it? My question is, if it's possible to go easy on Zwift, I cannot seem to do it. Every time I set on for an easy session, I find myself racing someone or trying for a new sprint PR, and next thing I know, my legs are trashed. I have a love-hate relationship with Zwift. I this is how I feel about riding in general, though. Like, well, it's because you live so, in California. Like right. Zwift was modeled after riding on the PCH. Right, right. Where it's just like a nonstop swinging <laughs> contest. That's great. You see another triathlete, you're like, oh, who's this person? Yeah, they're sizing each other up. Always. Like, oh, that guy passed me. I think I can pass him back before that stop sign. It's funny, like and even uh, people going in opposite directions. You always like everyone's head just turns. Yeah. And he's like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Yeah, they look fast. They look fast. Are they faster than I am? So, um, what's the answer? What, here? what is? I don't. I, how to go? How do you go easy on Zwift? Can, like, control yourself. Is there a way? Okay, so as as a non Zwift professional, like the way that you two are, is there a way to turn off everybody else? Like, can you make it so that you don't see other? users you don't have the temptation you can just not look at that screen if you have it on an ipad turn the ipad around but then why are you on swift you know because you want to track your workout and you want to have the i think that the solution is like putting it on erg mode or putting it on like a pre-programmed workout that's easy right so even when you start spinning it's it's forcing you to do a certain number of watts so that's that's what i often do i also just like detach my ego from swift realizing that a lot of people fudged their weight and all these different things. So if someone's passing you, who cares? I think it's it's a good thing, mostly, that Zwift encouraged this, is this kind of competitive thing and makes it a really hard workout. And it's like a harder workout than you'd ever get if you weren't on Zwift a lot of the times for for hard workouts. But for easy stuff, you just have to, like, let it go. Who cares? The erg mode is, I feel like that's that's actually the answer, right? Is Yeah, you're just, you're not going to, it's not going to increase resistance as you go up a hill or down a hill. Yeah, it's or, less interactive, you know, it's, it's less fun. Right. But, but you get, you get still get to look at the pretty Oh, I scenery. see, right. That's, that's, that's the problem is that when you get to a hill, there's no yeah. change. So you're just looking right. at a, a video at that point. I mean, point. that's like the whole point of Zwift for me is that like, there's just enough stimulus that I can like forget about that I'm sitting in my garage. <laughs> right, 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 right. And that's how it's revolutionized indoor riding for me. So, but The other thing is if you can get on Zwift when you're supposed to do an easy ride and you can get PRs in sprinting, you're probably not training enough on your hard days. Hmm. Like but, for me, if I'm doing an easy ride on Zwift, it's supposed to be easy on an easy day. I am so tired that I but have I no think, interest. I think this can just... This can catch up with you, right? Maybe the first week uh, on your easy ride, okay. you do it. Your second week, maybe, and by your third week, you're like, I'm trashed, and now my next four days can are I just, trashed. Can yeah, I just yeah, skip yeah. the easy ride, yeah, actually? Yeah, exactly. And that's what ends up, that's what I'm afraid gotcha, ends up gotcha, happening. Gotcha, gotcha, Yeah, keep it at like two watts per kilo, and yeah. just let it Or just two watts. It. That's what mm-hmm. I try to do. I keep two, it at two watts. watts. <laughs> yeah, or that. Yeah. So that's sitting on the couch, Nick. Uh, two watts to lift up your soda can. My soda can? My spin drift? <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, by the way? LaCroix. Old Faithful. Pomplamoose. Pomplamoose. We don't buy it anymore because we have a soda stream at home. So oh. I haven't bought fizzy water in like a year. What do you do you guys ever flavor your fizzy water? No, I just do no. straight up. I have to say I got pretty into the flavoring for like two weeks and I was like addicted to it. Uh, <laughs> actually what I've been doing is I buy a jug of lemonade. Uh that's and- what I- I just do a little tiny bit yeah. of lemonade. Oh, I Hold on. love like, that. a jug of lemonade. Our fridge is full of lemonades. <laughs> like, yeah. babe, hey, we got enough lemonade, just so you know. Well, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm like, oh, I probably had a lemonade. I should buy more yeah. lemonade. Because I put like <laughs> half a cup of lemonade and then like three cups of fizzy water. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it tastes so, so good. good. And now, the question that this is what happened to me, I was doing that for so long. I was like, I wonder what it tastes like to just drink this lemonade the way that it's supposed to be served, like out of the thing. And you take one sip of this, like, so sweet. It feels like so syrup it's yeah, like yeah, how, yeah. how do people drink this yeah, yeah. yeah but i'm sure it's just in a, if i kept drinking it in a matter of time it would i would be oh, you'd used normalize to that. it yeah yeah that's why it's like if just like keep leaning out the lemonade amount until you're like barely drinking it oh there you go there's you your way to get yourself off a pop yeah yeah if get yourself off a pop but i'm like how do i save money on this lemonade i could just like <laughs> i could make this lemonade last three you're weeks. cutting the lemonade yeah <laughs> full exactly. drug dealer yeah. status i just like the fizz that the fizziness yeah. adds to the lemonade it's like a it's like soda it yeah is right that's great really and it, it encourages me to drink so much like i don't even want to touch regular water right and then i come here and i buy Lacroix. so right i'm ruined I had a soda stream and now it's broken, so I have to upgrade too. I should get that fancy one. We got an Arkell. It's it's really mm. cool. It's like beautiful. Oh, I remember. You guys were very excited. You FaceTimed me from the store. Yeah, <laughs> and it has this cool system where they'll you send in two of your empty cartridges and they'll send you two back. So you kind of have like rotating. We own three. Of. So mm-hmm. there's one in the thing, and then you send two empty ones. They'll send you two fresh. Oh, that's nice. 
It's just the box has two empty ones in it. You send it back in, and it's, yeah. so you always have. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if SodaStream has the same thing, but that was like our struggle with the SodaStream was going to Target oh, got, to replace like, Target's a, partner with Best Buy, a very long way away, and it was hard to get over there. and We'd always forget, so we just would get out of the habit. But this right. now we have a habit. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Love it. Um, Tangent. Yeah, we love tangents. Where are we? What's uh, happening? Yes, that's right. Um, next question here is from Andy. Hey, TTL fam, love the pod, vids, and you all. My question is around supplements for endurance athletes. I probably take more supplements than most, coming from a bodybuilding background, but wondering if you take supplements. If so, what do you take? If not, is there a specific reason that you don't take others, pre-workout creatine, beta-alien, beta, beta-alien, uh, et cetera? Seems like professional athletes looking for marginal gains in performance would be taking more supplements, but maybe I'm actually hurting my performance by taking supplements. Thanks, and say hi to Flynn for me. Andy, where is he? Is he right here? No, he's escaped somewhere. He's passed out somewhere, yeah. some other room. Did, is this planted? No. No. This is this is such a coincidence because this nutrition micronutrition supplement company that I've been kind of like getting into over the past year based out of Australia just came to the US. Like they just announced yesterday that they're launching in the US and they were kind of asking me if I could help them with the announcement. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I would do that naturally. And I gotta <laughs> Here think it is. about we're it. We're doing it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um anyway, it's called Pillar Performance and they're they're super cool, really nice guys, and I think they just have it from my perspective, an extremely high quality product. Mm -hmm. And I've had a good chat with them on the phone and believe in it. So anyway, the, the stuff that I take, um, they have this triple magnesium product, which is what kind of got me turned on to their company. And that is basically designed for sleep. Like mm -hmm. magnesium has like a major part in like how well you sleep and recover and stuff. So like, I'll take that before bed. And then they also have like a B vitamin and a fish oil. And then this thing that's like a, a joint they call it joint armor, and it's like, I don't know exactly what all it has in it and everything, mm. but my joints hurt all the time. How so. much of this comes from, <laughs> like, blood work versus just, like, I'm an athlete and I need to do this stuff? This is, like, most of these things are, like, the B vitamins, I have had a little bit of lower B vitamins in my in my past, in my life. So I've just kind of, like, have tried to always stay on top of that. But for the most part, these are things that, like, having done gone through a nutrition class having done exercise physiology in college were like these are things that typically run low in professional athletes and just like in athletes and things that you should I stay see. on top of and b vitamins are tied to like just general well-being feeling and like alertness and stuff so but we don't take creatine beta alanine stuff that maybe is more bodybuilding no common um, not just that like it's micro, bad. Just we like just, micronutrients. Yeah, we just haven't like studied it enough to know if it really makes a difference mm -hmm. or tried it ourselves to see if it makes a difference. I personally take iron supplements and omega and a multivitamin, so kind of bare bones, mm. but and I'll take a vitamin D in the winter, actually. So that's yeah. so funny. I just got my blood work back, and my vitamin D was very low, even though I'm outdoors all the time. Yeah. You and don't convert that much no, just from, like, no, sunlight. No, that's a common misconception. Everyone's like, vitamin D, get in the sun. But most people, even, like, like a lot of time mm. in the sun, it's not enough. Mm. Yeah. And that could lead to, like, stress fractures and And bad it's, like, it's bad. Stuff. I was looking it up because it was me. I was like, oh, boy, this is, like, serious. Like, yeah. Need, yeah. needs to be taken care of. Yeah. But neither of you do, because the only thing I do, and now, now I'm taking this vitamin D, and my friend Sarah told me to take this blood builder thing for my low ferritin. It's like an iron and a yeah, and yeah. A, mm -hmm. probably like a vitamin C mixed in there. Or something. But also, but other than those things, I do uh, like after a hard workout, I'll do whey protein and collagen. You guys don't really do. Oh, I guess like you that. could. I, mean, if I you like could, collagen. If yeah. you call that supplements, then yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess they didn't say that, so maybe maybe that's a little too broad. Yeah, I guess like the the protein shake in my mind fits into like this. Into like food, yeah. It's right, like obviously right. not real food, right? But it's we're just trying to get in uh, x amount of carbohydrates and protein well, right after workouts. Maybe this would be a good opportunity because I'm sure people are curious about this. What is your protein shakes? What do your protein shakes look like? If you're willing to share that, uh, we use momentous protein. Um, is it just know. water and protein, or do you do a banana? No, no. I'll usually do lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just get mine out of the way. I, I frequently would just add water or almond milk mm -hmm. and just like shake it up real fast. But Paula gets much more elaborate, right? And I'm well, so I usually put like does. two handfuls of spinach, a bunch of frozen berries, lemonade or orange juice, oh. um, full Jamba juice, like a yeah. frozen banana, some ice, some collagen, usually some flax seeds. Just like go all out. I'm like I, I'm like the perfect mix. Sometimes when I'm feeling lazy, I do what Eric does, and yeah. sometimes I'll do frozen banana, 
a bunch of spinach, frozen mixed berries, the protein, collagen, and chia seeds. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. chia so seeds kind of, of thicken it up. Chia yeah. seeds, yeah. I get like those, that those omegas from there too. There you go. I posted a picture on Strava once, drinking like a sewage brown smoothie <laughs> and yeah. people were commenting like oh my god that looks so good give me your smoothie yeah. recipe because well, like, it probably looks like chocolate and looks peanut butter good this yeah. looks like absolutely disgusting well you also do the vanilla uh powder right uh sometimes chocolate but if it's chocolate you got to go along that theme and just yeah. do like banana peanut oh, butter almond. i am mm-hmm. always on that that's yeah. my okay, wavelength okay. i always crave like Paul fruity. fruit after a workout like i'm so thirsty that i want something like hawaiian and fruity right, right. And not something that's like chocolatey and desserty i want to feel like i ate a brick that's what i was mm. i wanted to weigh me down so this is this is i'm just gonna venture to say that this correlates with our froyo choices as well yeah. yes my froyo you're fruity right Fruity fro, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm like, give me the dark <laughs> chocolate with the like with yep. chocolate toppings too. Eric, we should go for froyo. After yeah, this. we should. Yeah. That's 100%, a great idea. 100%. I just do like the maximum amount of candy on top of like the yeah. whatever they've got, like the cake batter oh my God. flavor. Listen, this is this is how my brain works. I am like so excited right now, just talking about <laughs> froyo. It gets what does me Holly so call good. it? Wait, I forget. Yogurt land. Yogurt land. Yogurt, Yogurt yes, land. Because yes. <laughs> we went with her after St. George. Yeah. Holly Lawrence, yeah, British Holly professional Lawrence. triathlete. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, she has a little bit of a British accent. And she's got a sweet tooth for her. We were making yogurt. fun of her, too. We were like, let's go get yogurt. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I love yogurt. Um, and we're going to see her soon. We're going to yeah. see her next week. Yep. And Sean as well. That was an amazing tangent. Yeah, that's great. Love it. I think that's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> God, <laughs> okay. I hope so. Um, okay, next question here. Rick from London, Ontario. Hi, TTL team. You guys rock and are making a difference to us mere mortal athletes. For instance, I've started using flip turns in my swim workouts. Yeah, Rick. Yeah, by the way, me too. Today, pretty much, I would say 90% flip turns in my swim wow. today. I am, I am slowly going all the way. Dude, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And it's feeling good. Uh, I still very much have... Sorry, I'll get back to your question in a second here, Rick. But I still very much have, like, I feel the the lack of oxygen. Mm. I feel it at the, like, immediately after the flip turn for a bit, and I'm, like, dying for that first breath. Mm-hmm. And, then and you're at sea level, so... Yeah, imagine being up at, up at Bend. I think that's yeah. good for you to, like, try to relax and... I just, the hypoxia, okay I that. feel it. I, f- I definitely feel it just for that moment. I think I'm not doing a good job at timing my last breath before the flip. So uh, that's what I'm working on now. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, doing mostly flip turns, baby shampoo in my goggles, which works, by the way, and have added a few drill-only sessions above my plans recommended two sessions a week, and the feel, in quotes, for the water is showing up. Since running is my worst event, what do you think about increasing the frequency of run workouts by adding on an easy brick run to the planned bike sessions to gently increase time on feet? Does spreading out the frequency for running have a similar effect to what it does in swimming? Last year, I competed in my first 70.3 and DNF'd at a full after swimming through an algae bloom. Ooh, gross. Uh, That put an end to the race at 120 kilometers into the bike. At 67, I'm still training for a bucket list full Ironman this summer with a goal of making the cutoff. It might be close. Thanks for all the great content. It helps. Rick, uh, I'm with you. I'm also trying to get my first uh, Ironman finish, Rick. I have a cool thing. I used to live in London, Ontario. Oh. Very fun. Feelings? Thoughts? I was in grade five, so I don't remember it much. <laughs> so the boys were really mean. <laughs> the boys were really mean. No, I was like still, I didn't, wasn't swimming or running or biking. I was dancing. So oh, I right. was like. Oh my God. Where are the dance, where are the Paula dance pictures? I feel like. We one, have them. They're, they're, no, my dad, my dad got a job in London as like the chief neurosurgeon at the university, Western, is it Western University? You don't know. Um, but we moved there. <laughs> no, we don't. And my mom didn't love it. Mm. So she missed Edmonton actually. So we were there for a year, and then we moved back to Edmonton. Wow. Can you imagine Sheila. moving, like, three kids, a dog, a bunch of stuff across the country twice? I liked London, but I don't know if I would have started triathlon if we stayed oh in gosh, London. Oh, my gosh. Imagine that. Yeah, my life would have Thanks, been Mom. so different. Right. Like, I, th- I don't think I would have gone into swim club because that was, like, an effect of me moving back to Edmonton and friends with swim. Anyway. Crazy. Crazy to think of. Yeah, wow. Isn't it There's just, like, little moments like that the mm-hmm. whole path of your life can change but maybe totally you would have been the, different maybe you would have been the i definitely three dancer in the world no i definitely know? would have been a doctor making significantly yeah. better money <laughs> and having significantly less fun no, way. <laughs> no fun Come at all. On. Uh, right, anyway right. here's the question i love i love yeah. this because we've talked about this before about like spreading out the frequency of your swims to kind of like maintain that feel for the water yeah, yeah. i think there, it's the same there, with running yeah okay and, and it also <laughs> helps with not getting injured yep like paulo our coach prefers to do 
few or more sessions with maybe less volume in them than just like one big giant long run. Yeah. I, I, when I was getting my volume up back in like ITU days and stuff, easy Mondays were run, swim, run. We would never run over an hour, but on like Mondays we would run two hours total or two different sessions. And the idea being you're never quite as exhausted on your feet. Was that your long run day? I mean, that was the most. Because you said run. easy day. I mean, that's it was. Two hours it was jokingly still, called right. easy Monday okay. because there was no quality. I see. Got in it. the right, day, right? It was just easy yeah. pace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that running after a bike ride is a good way to do that. You could even do three kilometers off the bike, and that is a little bit of frequency, a little bit of time on your feet, muscle memory, and practice running off of a of a ride. So that's a good way to incorporate it, and also you're not then feeling like you have three workouts in a day. Right, you kind of group that together. Yeah, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm swimming or I'm biking and I'm running for 15 minutes, that's one workout. You're not doing laundry twice. You're, It's one mental effort. Yeah, so. and depending on which type of athlete you are, that could be advantageous or disadvantageous, I think, for the injury. Like, there's a chance that you're more warmed up, so I things are less brittle feeling. Oh, I for sure feel that. Yeah, just, you just, people. I would just try to avoid it if you're, like, feeling extra tired. I find like just in case your form falls apart and like things just go. Coming by. off an easy bike ride and running off an easy bike ride, I run. I feel like I can run so fast. From yeah, the I oh, feel yeah. way better. An easy it's, bike ride for yeah. sure. It's, yeah, I so, even feel better running off of hard bike rides. Really? So, yeah. 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 We pretty much never run first in the morning now. Right. Just like no just, matter what, it's just, just a recipe for. We feel like first. we will go out and break instantly. Yeah. Right. Another interesting thing is I just started following a bunch of the on OAC athletes in Boulder on on Strava. And they do a lot of short runs. Really? More like they're running over well. 100 kilometers a week. And of course they do long runs and, and big quality sessions. But some of their afternoon runs are like 5K. And they're all coached by, by the same people. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But they're they're professional runners. And I think they also, it's not like just because you're a professional runner, you're going out and running 10 miles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little bursts of running are effective. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. That's interesting. And, and I think also as far as like if... Motivation and burnout is an issue. Like going out and be like, here comes a two and a half hour run. Yeah, Sometimes exactly. you're like, okay, how much do I really want to do this? Yeah. yeah. Breaking it up could be helpful. Totally. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, and the next question here. Hey guys, question about taper or easier training weeks. This is this is what I'm going through right now. Have you felt like for a few days during your easy weeks, you feel a little bit more sore, like a delayed onset muscle soreness? I'm currently in an easy week leading up to a local duathlon, and I feel like I'm a bit more sore even though my training volume and intensity has gone down. I'm guessing that this sensation might be my body actually healing and adapting, but that's totally anecdotal. Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Steve. So this is me, like my training volume, because I've been working more, has been going down. And now I have a bunch of these like new aches, which I don't know where they're coming from. And I've heard this before. like Sitting. Maybe it's just sitting. Is that, like, is that what it is? Like our bodies know. in motion, That's stay the first in motion? Came, the first thing that came to mind. Like f- for sure when, I don't know. Yeah, I, f- I feel this like on race week. Like we, that's why we don't do a crazy taper where you go down to like 25% of the volume. Like if we take a rest day, typically the day after the rest day, I just feel so stiff and crappy and terrible. I'm like, what did I even take a rest day for? Um, for me, it's, I would say like this, I get stiff and then I'll, sometimes I just get more tired. Even you just, your body's like used to a certain thing. That's not to say that rest days aren't important, but I think it no. is common to get into like a bit of a lull if you're, um, yeah, so used to kind of revving at this certain level and then you take time off. And same thing for taper week. Like I think, especially before a race, you're more stressed in general, like your body's more tense, you're thinking about this race coming up, and you're much more in tune with your soreness because it matters more. Yeah, you're sitting around thinking about it. Yeah, that's true. You're like, oh man, I have a race. How does every little thing in my body feel? Versus on a normal week where there's nothing at the end of the week that's on the line, you might not even notice. So whatever, I'm just going to the pool. Right, right. Yeah. Doesn't matter how I feel. Yeah, it's... You just you hear this all the time with athletes. I wonder if it's if it really is as simple as you're just so much more worried about this race and you're 
you're kind of on high alert the whole week because you're just you're thinking about the race. Stress you can't is get up. It, the, the you can't get the energy out with the training because you're trying to taper and get fresh. Yeah, the rule of thumb that our coach usually uses on taper week, and I think this is getting a little bit away from the actual question, but is if you feel really tired, basically do less of volume, like on the lower end of the volume, but more on the intensity. I remember you telling me that. Just to yeah. stay kind of sharp. Yeah. And if you yeah. feel like you're freaking ready to go and tapers over, less intensity, a little bit more volume. Right. That's the balance. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Because if you're feeling kind of crappy, typically if you do a couple quick sprints, that'll like wake you up, for lack of a better word. Yeah, it's true. But if yeah. you're feeling really good and you go out and you do 10 sprints, right. like you could legitimately do some damage right. if you're actually feeling really good. Well, so. I mean, how often do we go out on a training session where we're just like, I'm so exhausted. I feel terrible. This is going to go awful. And then you have a great training session. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens all the time to me. Yeah. I'm like yeah. so tired. And then somehow I'm like. That's because you exercise at 6 p.m., Nick. I, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. It is dinner time. Yeah. It is dinner time. Yeah. Um, good well, question, though. Those are all our questions. What about, so what are we doing? What are we doing before we go to Oceanside? Tomorrow we're going to do. Big swim. Well, for me, it's a big swim. 4K. And then big ride. Yep. It's some real work on the ride. Yeah. And you guys are running off the bike. I mean, it's tomorrow, like a race simulation. Tomorrow's like of. our race simulation a week out from the race, which is how we always do it. And then taper starts on Sunday. Mm. But we still got like a, a decent training day on Sunday. Like I said, it's early in the year. We can't just fully shut her down for right, Oceanside. So right. I think we're maintaining a little bit of fitness. And mm-hmm. we trained really hard up until the day we left for here. So... That's why we kind of feel a bit sluggish and tired right now. But I, hopefully tomorrow will like wake us up a little and get us into the mood and yeah, kick off race week. I think Froyo might help with that too. Never hurts. No, <laughs> it never hurts. No, that is some true. yogurt. I love yogurt. A good yogurt. <laughs> Yog me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. You can submit your questions and support the pod at TTL at that triathlonlife dot com slash podcast. We do we we don't own TTL dot com, do we? No, that some was, like computer company that or was something. A little bit taken. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's I right. tried. The three-letter words are all—they're all taken. Actually, you know, like when we when we got that triathlonlife.com, TTL was not a thing. Oh, right. That was right. You didn't even think about that. Yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah, we knew it could like it was possible potentially, but right. like it had not become endearingly called right. TTL yet. So. I remember I was just telling Paula because it was. <laughs> And I'm not going to get into this, but we were at St. George the first time after COVID. So it was like the first time you guys had yeah. raced front since when the YouTube actually really took off. Mm-hmm. And I was it was my first race with you guys. And I remember we were walking around and it was like funny because like people were just like recognizing you guys in a way that was new to you. Oh, uh, yeah. You know? And some people were saying TTL. And I remember Paula remarking out loud being like, people are saying TTL. Like it's catching out already. Yeah. No, that was that was so wild, and it's not like that. Still, isn't crazy. No, to us right, now, right, right, right. Like, then it was just like, so we are in the wild. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. Acted like they knew who we are. I cannot. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like that just doesn't happen in triathlon. Right. Like, I don't know. No, I mean, it's true. God, that was funny. Yeah. Good those times. Were good. Those were good times. That was like the very beginning. Formative. Well, yeah. That was so fun. Uh, well, yeah, that's all we got. Like Eric said, you can submit your questions at thattriathlonlife.com slash podcast. And we will see you next Thursday on our first ever live pod. With- Hopefully we'll actually see some yeah, of you. That would oh, be sweet. Yeah. Wait, do we also do we also want to mention the, the Shakeout Run? Did, did we mention the Shakeout Run? I'd say just go to our Instagram link in the bio. Okay. It's got the whole schedule. Great. So you can pick and choose whatever you want to come to. And then if you can't make it, this pod will be released uh, the day after. Things that you can do. Hang out. Listen to us do a podcast. Try on shoes. Buy hats. Mm-hmm. Have coffee. Hug me. You don't have to hug me. Pet Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya.